Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great show for you today. We are here with a local martial arts instructor, Janet Elfs of the Lotus Peace Arts. So welcome, Janet. Great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so Janet is a the founder and director of the Lotus Peace Arts, a seventh degree black belt in Okinawan karate. Actually, you are you are fluent in in three different movement martial arts. Um, the poet laureate in Northampton from two thousand and three to two thousand and five. A writer, a movement artist. So um, you've got all kinds of great skills and and art that you're bringing to the Pioneer Valley. So um so. So tell us a, a little bit about who you are and, and, and what, you're, what you're doing in the Pioneer Valley here. I, it has been my joy to be a part of an arts movement since 1977 when I was a founding member of Valley Women's Martial Arts. And we are basically the same group has evolved over time, lots of different people. But that same original uh, school, educational center, we've moved to different locations. We have had different types of leadership. We are currently named Heron's Bridge. And it's a consortium of five programs, including, as you mentioned, Lotus Peace Arts, which is my own consulting educational project for integrative arts education. Then we continue to have Valley Women's Martial Arts programs for women and girls, uh, especially empowerment, self-protection classes, classes in different movement arts. Then we have Circle Center Aikido. We have uh, Dragon's Den. So that's um, healthy masculinity education. We have... uh, woman who does hula hooping, flow arts. So five different programs together under the same umbrella. We're a nonprofit organization. And it is my joy to also do poetry and different kinds of interpretive dance, all connected from the roots of these movement languages that are also referred to as martial arts. And I'll talk more about that later. Great. We have some lots of juicy things we get to dive into today. Um, so you were talking a lot about, um, you know, under the the kind of former Valley Martial Arts, um, what uh, women's martial arts rather. Um, when you're starting to talk about gender in the martial arts, um, why do you why do you feel that it's important to have a um, a center for for women's martial arts and then a separate kind of um, Uh, separate the dragon's den that really identifies a lot of gender within masculine the masculine world Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um how gender fits into that world of martial arts originally the group started by 
women who had been parts of martial arts groups that were mostly men, and they did not receive the same respect. So I believe in terms of a movement, it was at the time when the women's movement was very strong in terms of many different kinds of activities and ways to introduce women to their own power and to leadership ability. So it really grew out of a sense of cultural empowerment, not only just women's empowerment, but also uh, there, there were a lot of connections with the civil rights movement. So lots of movements for liberation and a lot of people perhaps don't realize that martial arts themselves grew out of the need for people to take back their lives. And, and this I'm talking about from all over the world. For instance, in the Okinawan style of karate that we study and teach, it was at one point that people used farm implements as ways to protect themselves from being overtaken by invaders. So really the movements come from celebrating life, living life, farm implements, that's how people eat. So it's not that, it's not that they are originally from having to fight. You only have to struggle if somebody's trying to take away your life. So they're actually movement languages that come from celebrating life that come from being connected with the earth. Um, so basically indigenous arts from all over the world. Another art is called modern Arnis from the Philippines. My teacher came from there. He's no longer alive, but he came from there and shared his arts all over the world. And that is also an art that uses rattan canes. So basically material that comes out of the ground and people who were, the names of the exercises are called sinawali, which means weaving. And so the movements originally come from weaving, like things that you would use as walls in your home or rugs on the floor. So I, I'm, I'm very interested and I have been doing this work for uh, more than 40 years. I'm very interested in that all of these so-called, a lot of people refer to as fighting arts, actually don't have anything to do with fighting at the roots. Um, the fighting only comes when you get in a stuck place and you need to take care of yourself in a way that allows you to move to the next place of celebrating your life. So I think that's where the, um, poetry aspect of it comes in for me because it's it's a lot about metaphor and how we explain to ourselves who we are how to express ourselves how to be creative and then if somebody tries to take that away how we can use our creativity to keep living our lives in a way that promotes health I love that I, that that does feel like it kind of moves from survival 
to arts and creativity. And I, I like that evolution. And it feels a lot better when things come from a place of expressing ourselves rather than having to fight for for survival for our life, like you said. Um, so it's it's really interesting to hear about some of the the original ways that these martial arts have evolved. I have actually a poem that I wrote that comes from a story that maybe will um, make what I was describing a little bit more clear. I was invited some years ago on uh, International Women's Day to speak over at Smith Folk to a group of high school students. And usually I like to do hands-on kinds of presentations. I call what I organize sites for revelation Mm. and in order in order to create a site for revelation it can't just be about talk because all of this work all the healing work all the creative arts work comes from the body and so for me to be active and to offer what would give people a chance to feel that from their own body is really, really important, but I didn't have that opportunity. It was supposed to be a talk. So I was talking about what I do. And of course, anytime I talk about what I do, I also usually do some movement. So I was giving a little bit of a, of a mix of um, describing my work. And then I have poetry and movement combinations. So I do the spoken poetry and the movement at the same time. And that's especially interesting for younger folks because they get talked at a lot. Oh, yeah. And so I thought, all right, well, I'll give them some movement also, but then I'll give them some questions that I would ask them questions and let them ask me questions so we could have a conversation. So it was a, a point where I said, okay, uh, has anybody heard of Bruce Lee? And everybody put up their hand. Of course, he's a cultural <laughs> icon. And then I said, well, has anyone heard of Ing Mui? And nobody put up their hand. And I said, well, do you know that Ing Mui was a Buddhist nun who created the style of martial art, that one of the styles that Bruce Lee studied, one of the main styles, White Crane. And so they're all looking at me like, wow. Okay, trying to like incorporate that piece of information that a woman could have made some beautiful thing that then got translated to this uh, famous movie star. Right, mind uh, mind blown. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I had also asked them if uh, if they had an idea about the difference between movies and real life, and they kind of also looked at me and smiled and okay. So this poem is about what happened next. It's called, it's a poem I wrote, as I mentioned, and it's called The Question. It begins as an absence. In the dark movie theater, she appears not to exist. On screen, neither flying kicks nor spins of her wit can be seen. A good story, he said, but who would believe a Buddhist nun developed the system our hero delivers reel to reel, bare chest rippling, iron grip. 
know the difference, I ask, in that high school library between movies and real life? A boy in the back shouts the challenge. Could you fight Bruce Lee and win? I'm standing before the master as I answer. We'd figure out how not to begin. In words and gestures, forms flow. I honor White Crane, legend and true. Ing Mui, who can prove her bones have not led to these bones, sharp and soft as columbine through cracks in rock. A girl, later in the hour, hair draped over one eye, barely raises her hand. Could you fight Bruce Lee and win? I almost ask, did she hear me before, about to repeat myself, when I realize what her question is not. I can see in her other eye, light falling from a thousand wings. She wants me to promise I'll survive. Powerful. And why I felt so moved to write that poem, and you asked before about gender issues. And for me, it is so important to recognize that we are still identified by gender and so many assumptions made about who we are by how we look in any number of ways, including skin color, ability, disability, the size of our bodies, at so many things that people make assumptions about. And so that instant, I was initially making an assumption because it was actually the, the same words. Could you fight Bruce Lee and win? But it was not the same question. And that is what this work actually gives me more and more is how to listen beneath the words. And that requires being in touch with one's own energy flow and then being sensitive to the kinds of energy that other people are directing, either towards me or in a situation in a group, and then being able to translate not only the words, uh, the gestures, the tone, the quality of someone's voice. There are so many factors beyond the words and underneath the words that lead to how we communicate. And that is what I am fascinated with since I was a, a child when I noticed people would say things, but it did not go together with what they would do. And I thought to myself, now that cannot be the only way things are. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's funny because we see, we see that difference in how, when we're children, how, when we ask our parents, are you okay, mom? And when they say, I'm fine, honey, and you can see that they're not fine. We learn at a very, very early age that like, to not trust the difference between what we're feeling with the person that we are are learning as as parents, as authority figures, are telling us something very different. And so we lose that connection very, very early in our culture. Absolutely. And it's so important to 
recognize how all of this work and children are very sensitive to being children in a world that is coordinated by adults, how that power difference feels. Children are incredibly sensible, sensitive to that. And then, of course, all of us are very sensitive to power structures, what we are given, what we must make space for ourselves. How can we do that if we're taught not to believe in ourselves? All these ways that education sometimes does not serve us, we have to unlearn ways that we've been taught to be less than confident, less than believing in ourselves, less than wishing to be ourselves. And so this work for me that is so deeply body-based and based in feeling a sense of oneself, who each of us is, but then how we are completely interconnected. You can't do this work without learning about how we're a part of each other, how we affect each other through words, through actions, and through being creative. And if we're not allowed to be in touch with our own creativity, we suffer. We become not healthy, let's just say. And when we are given chances and when we take the risks to be creative, we become more, more healthy. It's, it's, it's natural. Following, following the natural is part of every movement system that I've had the great good pleasure to connect with has at its roots following the natural. As a matter of fact, that's what the Tao means that's at the, at the base of Tai Chi and Qigong, following the natural, following your breathing, following the flow of interaction, being more aware of what that is. I appreciate that about the work um, and about what metaphor is regarding everything has poetry in it. Absolutely. There is a program that a colleague, a good friend of mine and I, Ingrid Askew, um, have created as part of this work from our Heronsbridge School, but also I have been able to travel a lot over the years, bringing uh, aspects of this worth work here and there. And so we created a program called Labyrinth Through Fear, a gift event. And it came out of a connection that I had with an incredible artist in Cape Town when, when I was on an exchange from uh, a group of people came from Cape Town to hear performing arts teachers and then a group of us were invited from here to go to Cape Town back in 2009. And I met a man, and if I could share, it's a short-ish poem introducing him, and then I can say a little bit about the Labyrinth Through Fear program. Would that be okay? That sounds fabulous. Go right ahead. So this person's name Monwabisi is the name of this poem that I wrote. 
It goes, my name, he said, like Mona Lisa, the dream you shared, a place I know. Spiraled mosaics, chanting within, a massive temple of sun. Your voice reminded me, he smiled, and told the story, gestures bold, hands scooping words like turquoise ripples from the sea. On a pitch black path he ran through childhood's gaping monsters, finebos and coiled snakes to fetch an egg from the neighbor. He could hear his grandmother calling. I see you, she sang on the wind. When you're far away, I still see you. And his fear turned to wings. That beautiful artist in Cape Town, he lived in one of the townships called Langa. And we, Ingrid and I, one day were talking about wanting to bring this Labyrinth Through Fear program to Cape Town. And we thought Monwabisi would be able to help us because he had talked about how he, when, when he was a little boy, he could get through his fear by hearing his mother's voice say, I can see you, wherever you are, I still see you. And something I had said inspired him to tell me that story back in 2009. So jump ahead to 2018, and we thought, well, Monwa Bisi would be so interested in doing a program where people could learn about their own fear and how to use the creative arts, how, how to be involved in creative arts, all different kinds, theater, music, dance, poetry, storytelling, the whole range that we could bring uh, a program to the township, Langa, and Monwa Bisi would uh, be one of the uh, instructors and we could invite young people to come and create a program. Well, not long after we got the idea, we discovered that Monwa Bisi had suddenly died. Oh no. And yes, and it was just this moment of, first of all, shock and, and what happened. And then, well, of course we have to do this program. We have to do it now because it's for Monwa Bisi. So we did end up bringing, um, it was an incredible experience, a four-week program in Cape Town in March of 2018, Ingrid and I, at a um, very beautiful cultural center called Gugastebe in this township, Langa. And many people there, of course, knew Monwabisi. So his spirit was very much there. And we were able to gather a group of young people. They put together the program through their own writing and dancing and music and drumming and uh, uh, speaking out about what their lives are like, how to deal with uh, the everyday fear and how to celebrate even more the beauty of life. And Ingrid and I were so moved, sometimes we would just be sitting there 
watching them thinking, how is this possible? And yet it was happening. So I also brought martial arts there, which of course involved some aspect of self-protection and, and feeling that each and every movement, every gesture in these movement languages, I like to think of it as being fluent in three movement languages, as opposed to that I don't, that I'm not multilingual, which now I know I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we would share, and English was not any of the participants' first language. So we were sharing back and forth through all these different types of human expression and finding so many things in common, even though uh, Ingrid and I, who are originally from the, from the US, though Ingrid has lived in, had lived in Cape Town for, for 10 years before she came back here. Um, so there was a lot of that place where you might think you don't have something in common and yet there it is in that beautiful human exchange where everyone wants to be regarded and we are feeling this unconditional positive regard for ourselves and each other and the work and when they did their performance for the community at this beautiful Gugastebe Community Cultural Center, they received a standing ovation. It was so moving. We were all transformed. Mm -hmm. And this is what, for me, I can understand more um, as I work with many, many, many different groups of people, all different ages, all different genders, races, ethnicities, everyone wants to be regarded and to feel that what they bring to whatever the activity is, it is worth everything to be able to share and to be able to, to learn from each other. And so this program uh, is the, the integrative arts that I continue to follow and promote for me is about breaking through barriers of all kinds. We have so many boxes we put things in and to be able to understand that all of these different human expressions come from the same roots, which is we are here, we are alive we get to share our lives and we get to understand more uh, South African principle called Ubuntu, which is about the interconnection of all life. It's, it's, it's about being, it's about basic humanity and being willing to open ourselves to the next possibility of connecting. And when Ingrid and I were, were doing the program, we would say, two different poems that go with the concept of Ubuntu. The one was, and, and we always did movement with it, it was a, a movement where you would rock your body and make three circles, one small, one medium, one large, forward and back rock, like the tide, 
you would have this very calm sense of being together in a group, rocking, and then we would say, on the first circle, this fear I face. On the second circle is a deeper breath I take. And on the third circle is the courage I share. This fear I face is a deeper breath I take, is the courage I share. And then the other poem we would do with those same three circles would be, I am because you are. You are because I am. We are all connected through spirit, Ubuntu. And we would move and we would rock and we would say these very true words. And then the participants would write their own stories connected with those very true and uh, universal human feelings and uh, places of challenge and ways to move through the challenges that we are given and the challenges that we accept and those that are unacceptable, how to say no. I was following along as you were uh, doing the, the three circles we were reciting that poem and it feel like it really resonates. There's something about moving in those circular motions at the same time when you're uh, reciting those words that feels like you're stepping into uh, a, a larger rhythm within yourself and around you. And it's, uh, it's really, it's really tangible. I, I know we're on this computer and we're on the radio and it's very interesting to be able to feel that across the distance. I, I, um, I appreciate that you can feel that. I certainly can. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a gift. Right now in this challenging COVID situation that we have, it's a gift to be challenged to sink even deeper into connecting with each other across the waves energetically. And uh, there's something about the rhythm of our language and then feeling how that comes from the rhythm of the heart, the rhythm of our footsteps, and that rocking rhythm, which is naturally calming is so important all the time, anytime, anything I do, when I can sink into that place of calm, no matter how I feel, anything I do will be more effective. So I'm scared about something and I sink into that deeper breath, that, that foundation of calm that I keep building in myself. And I can only build it in myself by sharing it with other people. That's, that's how it works. It comes from the ground. It comes from the sky. It comes from all of us. And it's missing sometimes that, that piece about uh, fear response where, where people describe it as fight or flight. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Because, because when, when we don't mention that everything has to be connected to this very vast place of calm that is here all the time. If we are not connecting with that in a regular 
way, when we have a very challenging situation, we will become unhinged more easily because we're not in that rooted place in an everyday way. That's why I do this work, is to be in an everyday rooted place so that when the really hard things come up, I know where my support is. I am more likely to know where my support is in myself. I know where to ask for help. I know who to ask for help. That is what we need in, in terms of an everyday practice, whatever that practice is, it doesn't matter, but we need something that's about calming down in a regular way. And, and in that line of, of thinking and, and being and, if you would, do you have any advice for people who are feeling a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the fear-based responses right now that are fully in their in their labyrinth of fear right now? Um, what do you have any any simple techniques that you could share with our listeners who might be able to get back into their bodies in a in a fairly quick, easy kind of way? Thank you for that question. That is so kind to think of people who, and we all are feeling the effects of fear, not just in this situation, but this situation is definitely bringing out a lot of anxiety and fear. And I know for me, I have been meeting outdoors with uh, quite a bit of distance between people in circles of 10 or less and we have been doing these movements, which I will describe a couple. We have been doing these movements and people have been telling me, and I do it because I love the work. It gives me a lot and it feels like I just need to keep doing this work. Even though we can't use our studio right now, it's a beautiful big studio over a river, but we're outside and um, the movement is to feel your body and you can do it sitting down, you can even do it lying down, but we're standing up in a field and we're with our palms opening and closing our palms, one deeper breath, another deeper breath, and then lifting the palms up to the sky. So the arms make a great big circle up toward the sky and then float back down. And every time we do that, we feel our weight sinking even deeper into the roots. So we have that sense of anchored and being buoyed at the same time. So sinking and lifting and then feeling that natural one deeper breath in, releasing the breath. So that's already naturally calming. And then we put the palms together at the heart center one hand up, one hand down, and then spiral them all the way around. So the other hand is up and the other hand is down, and then come back to palms at the center. And we just repeat that. And it opens up the heart space. Again, it's a sinking, lifting kind of feeling. And you can't, you cannot get stuck in one certain thought when you're doing these movements. Your thoughts can go all over the place, but you can't get stuck in one thought. It's impossible. When you're breathing deeply, more deeply, and you're moving your body in a rocking, calming way, 
very difficult to get stuck in a, in a really disturbing thought. You might come back to one, but you don't have to get stuck in it. And then we do those three circles, one foot forward, one foot back. So you can just like rock your weight without losing your balance. Nice and easy. You float your palms toward the ground. You make them uh, forward and then circle around back low. Then a medium circle, mid-level forward and circle around back. Then a large circle up over your head so you feel very expansive. And then circle around back to center. And after you do that a few times, again, anything that is feeling disturbing, you kind of forget about it. You might come back to it, but it's very hard to stick in a place of disturbance when you're just feeling rocked like we every single one of us have been rocked inside our mother's body before we even entered the world so it's a natural sense of well-being of being held of feeling the ground and feeling that liquid sense of balance I love that. So if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Janet Elfs, who is the founder of the Lotus Peace Arts and the Herons Bridge over in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Um, and so Janet, I'm really curious. I know you've been doing um, different martial arts for, for about 40 years. How, what was your first introduction to this work? I saw a small group in the basement of what is now Thorns. And I had actually become friends with a couple of folks who were in that group earlier than that. And one of them invited me to come to this demonstration of Shuriru Okinawan Karate. And I very much connected with the sense of rooted movement movement that was not held in, that was very much about being both focused internally, but then very expressive externally. And I saw that and it reminded me of when I was a teenager, I also saw some Tai Chi in Cambridge, somewhere in Cambridge, um, in a, in a square. And I was very, very drawn to that movement as well. And so somehow uh, these movement languages were calling to me. And at that time, 1977, 1978, uh, the group was forming what became Valley Women's Martial Arts. And I was a part of that founding group after I went, as I mentioned, to that demonstration and became more connected with the group. And eventually myself and one of the other, we had become black belts. Uh, another, the teacher moved to a different location and the two of us were wanting to continue the group. So we basically took it on at a very early age. I was, uh, 21 when I began and 24 when I took on 
continuing this group, this school, I was quite anxious about that. Quite, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. But I knew I had to keep going. I felt very strongly in myself that it was something I needed to keep doing. And over time, I have been having more and more fun. Initially, it felt like very challenging in a way. It challenged my sense of self. I had to become even more out there. And so I figured, okay, if that's what I have to do to keep doing this work, I'm going to do it. And um, big gift to me that that situation presented itself and that I took it on because I then met, I have met so many incredible movement artists, poets, artists of all kinds in my travels over the years and locally. And everything I do right now is created, constructed, woven of all of those interactions. They have all become a part of me. And I feel myself, that's why I know how interconnected we all are, because I would not be doing it anything I'm doing without having met all the people who have helped me learn and who have invited me to join whatever it is they do, who have been interested in what I do. Huge cultural exchange with deep respect, very much paying attention to the issue of what I like, I would call wanting to avoid cultural theft or also known as appropriation. Very, very important. That's also a a power issue, an issue of cultural oppression that in every form, uh, misogyny, homophobia, racism, ableism, everything that you can think of that is not healthy to human beings has something to do with how we exchange our everyday lives, also known as culture, and the the gifts of creative expression. So I very much appreciate having been introduced at a very young age and and taken the time and taken the, the leap to become something I pretty much never thought I would be able to do. I was rather shy as a child and didn't think I could perform or do things in front of people. Well, look at you now. (laughs) I, I completely enjoy being able to share in every way, um, what I have to share and, and to learn from other people. It's just, I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing. So I guess I had to take every step. Absolutely. And I know things are a little bit on hold with the COVID-19 world right now. I know that you mentioned that you're not doing uh, classes inside your studio, but can you tell us a little bit about what types of classes that you offer and a little bit about um, the, the courseworks and things that you that you do at, um, at the, the Heron's Bridge? There are a whole range of different kinds of classes, including the three, actually there are uh, 
five, di five distinctly different kinds of movement arts. There's Okinawan karate, there's Aikido, there's modern Onis, which is the, the Filipino stick arts. There is the, the flow arts, the, the special hula hooping, and there's the Tai Chi, Qigong, internal healing arts. And then we invite anybody who would like to offer a program. We have time and space for other folks who would want to offer a class, short-term, long-term. So we've been really operating as a consortium for some years now and enjoying also that exchange. We have poetry events there, theater groups come there, uh, music camp had some classes there. So it's it's a really beautiful, very open, large windows, big space. And there's a river that runs underneath it. And I don't know if I have time to read another short poem. Do I have time? Yeah, we've got another, uh, we've got another eight and a half minutes. So I think you definitely have time. Okay, because this is a, maybe gives people a little bit of an idea of the kind of space we have. It's the closest to outdoors without being outdoors. <laughs> and, and the sound of the river goes underneath. And we have all kinds of creatures who visit. And this is a poem about one of those creatures that has actually uh, stood on the roof for a whole hour one time watching one of the children's classes, a great blue heron. Yeah. So this one is called... Heron Mystic Artist. A tall slate blue bird walked across the white rooftop. Sharp talons splayed. It placed each careful step and turned and paused. Feathers to shadow, stillness liquid, every glowing curve and the pointed beak exact between us, steel framed glass. Each solid pain a mirage. I have known before and after. More lasting than any wound. The feeling in its gaze. I must attempt to dance. Though I fail again and again. Such a joyous failing. And that describes a little bit about how we learn from all creatures. We have animal forms in the different movement arts. We have movements that come from how the wind blows. We have a wild horse's mane, parting the wild horse's mane. So uh, all different natural images the movements themselves are poems, they tell a story. And so programs offered by a, a whole variety of very interesting artists, everybody has a different take on uh, what the story is. And that's the beauty of it. Everybody's story is valued. Everybody's story is important. And things happen in that space that you can't exactly explain in a logical way, but it's beautiful because it's about that uh, mix of energy. People walk in the space and say, oh, it feels so good in here. Mm -hmm. And it does. And that's a real thing. We really do 
uh, shape spaces with our energy. And so my, my invitation, my invitation is to wherever it is that we do our work, but in specific, we're in that, uh, one cottage street building, the Riverside Industries. Yes, right on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So my invitation is that um, anybody and everybody has something to offer. And so you can check out the website. That's also a place where we try to keep it as updated as possible. It's Heron's Bridge, like the bird Heron's Bridge, and then .org. Great. So if anyone listening is curious about going to, to look at, um, at the schedule and offerings and things like that, um, that's www.heronsbridge.org. Um, and so we're, we're nearing the top of the hour. Um, what, do you have any last words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe? Well, first of all, Caroline, let me say thank you very, very much for your kind and thoughtful, uh, interesting questions and that you offer this program. It's a wonderful program for people to be able to understand more about what what happens around here. There's so much good work going on. We have a lot around here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I know that things can get challenging in a lot of different ways. And one of the things that I think, especially right now, is when the going gets tough, the tough soften and get even more creative. And I like to think of it in that way, in terms of resilience, that what what toughens us can also soften us into the next place of creativity. And that's seriously what we need when it's not clear what's going to work next. We need to really dive into our imaginations even deeper. Something's not just going to come along that's going to solve things. We are right now doing the work that we need to be doing um, to take the next step. So resilience, creativity, being kind to ourselves, being kind to each other, especially being kind to ourselves because all the rest of it comes out of that. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Janet, for for coming on the show and and sharing lots of your poetry and um, and the world that, that you live in. So thank you so much for, for coming on to Energy Matters. And um, if anyone is just tuning in now and wants to catch the rest of this episode or any past episodes, you can always go on to um, to subscribe on the Energy Matters podcast, which has all of the podcasts and the show will be up within the week. Um, so uh, so go check that out. And you can also go on to www.reikinorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives. And all of that, uh, the show will be up there as well. Um, so thank you so much, Janet. Um, we're going to close out. So have a great evening, everyone. And be well. <laughs>